Well, traveling during the holidays can be a major headache, as we've just seen this uh, last week with all the ice storms and blizzards in the Midwest and uh, people falling and hurting themselves on the ice. I was watching a YouTube video the other day also of uh, uh, one of the hills in Seattle where everybody was just sliding down and crashes like bumper cars uh, down that hill. And moving during the holidays can suck the joy right out of the merriest heart. Our family should know because we moved up here right in the middle of the holidays two years ago. During our move, I couldn't help but think about Mary and Joseph and uh, what that must have been for them uh, in Christmas 2,000 years ago. Uh, but there are some stark differences between our two trips. While we were traveling to a place where we'd re we would receive uh, monetary support and blessing, they were traveling to register to pay taxes to a tyrannical foreign power that was occupying their country. Our route from Salinas to Lake St uh, Stevens held certain perils. Uh, we made it over the Siskiyou Pass. There was a storm that was uh, looming in the west and it was coming and we made it over right in time uh, before we got stuck on the other side. Uh, also, the pandemic uh, kind of uh, changed things a little bit in regard to travel at that time. But this other family had to travel in the open and face the possibility of being robbed by desert pirates, attacked by wild animals like boars, lions, and bears, and exposed to icy, icy rain by day and uh, sub-freezing temperatures by night. Thanks to the convenience of modern automobiles, our 1,000-mile uh, trip took us three days with about six hours of driving each day. Our ancient travelers, although they only had to travel 90 miles, uh, they were on the road for 10 days. And to make matters more complicated, uh, Mary was pregnant, and they were traveling by foot and pack animal. As a side note, they had to add miles to their journey because the direct line went through Samaria, which was a hostile country. And so most Jews skirted that country and went down to Jericho, which is the lowest city in the world. And it's 894 feet below sea level. Their destination, however, was 3,500 feet above that point. To put that in perspective, Mount Pilchuck is 5,344 feet high. So it'd be like climbing two-thirds up Mount Pilchuck, pregnant and freezing cold. Mary, Seth, and I found some nice places along the route to eat, some lodging for the evenings. But for them, there were no restaurants on the traveler's route, and they'd have to rely on bread and oil and herbs for their sustenance. There were no hotels, and so they would be tenting it the whole way. Upon our arrival in Monroe, our new hometown, we found a house that was professionally cleaned and a crew of guys from Elam that helped us unload and settle in. This couple found an overcrowded city with a crude stable to sleep in for the night and ultimately deliver their new baby boy. Over the past four weeks, we've been studying the biblical accounts of Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, miraculous births to be sure. But this morning, we're going to be looking at the most miraculous birth of all, the birth of Jesus, God's Son. And we'll be asking two main questions this morning. Why did he come, and how does this birth affect you this Christmas morning? To answer these questions, we're going to hear directly from Jesus himself, because he explained to his followers exactly why he came and how his coming would affect them. First of all, he came to fulfill the law. 
when we made our move from California to Washington, uh, we decided to use this transit company. And so what they did is they came with a semi and they dropped the trailer right in front of our house and we had three or four days to load that trailer and then they would come with the semi uh, truck and they would pick it up and drive it up for us up to Washington. And when the semi-trailer arrived, I noticed when he pulled up that he parked it backwards of what I wanted, okay? I wanted the end of the truck to be on our driveway uh, so that we could just go right up the ramp and load up the truck and be fine. But he said that's against the law to park the trailer backwards. And so that added about 40 steps to our trip for each trip that we had to make with all our furnishings and such. Uh, to make matters worse, we had a fire hydrant right in front of our house. And so he had to park at least 15 feet from that as well. And so what ended up being a simple just come out the door and load it up ended up being uh, with the trailer ramp down in front of our neighbor's driveway. And so all the guys that showed up to help us had to drag all our furniture down and then back around and up. And I was actually tempted as I was standing there thinking about all that extra work, I was like, you know what, I should bribe this guy. You know, I should give him like a hundred bucks just to park it backwards and risk it, right? And so what I was hoping for was a little bit of anarchy. Not total anarchy, just anarchy for my case as it suited me. And some people during Jesus' time thought that he had come to get rid of God's law. Maybe they felt that because he was there to forgive sins, perhaps they would get a free pass and be able to do whatever they wanted. But Jesus made it clear that this was not the case in Matthew 5, 17. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What Jesus meant when he said this, that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets, was that he demonstrated what the perfect life looked like. He never sinned, but he did everything according to his Father's will. At Christmas, we are set free from the requirements of the law, as seen in Romans 3.20, where it says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But just because we are not saved by the law, by keeping it, that doesn't mean that we just throw our hands up and give ourselves over to every evil desire. Instead, we strive to keep God's commandments because we love him and truly believe that he has our best interest in mind. In fact, when we receive the Holy Spirit upon our salvation, we have access to the power of God to overcome sin. And so as I stood there looking at that trailer, the Holy Spirit helped me not reach into my wallet and pull out $100 to try to bribe this guy. And so I... We did this thing without grumbling. Well, not too much grumbling, right? Second, we see that he came not to condemn, but to save. In John 3.17, Jesus told Nicodemus, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The word that we translate into English as condemn means to avenge. And so Jesus did not come as some divine hitman to take us out because we had messed up creation. He instead came to save us. But the main question is, what did he come to save us from? Did he come to save us from ourselves? Did he come to save us from the devil? No, he came to save us from the wrath of God. 
It's kind of strange to think that God loves the world, but at the same time, he's planning on destroying it along with all the people that are living here. It would be like Governor Inslee saying, boy, I sure love Lake Stevens. I love it so much that I'm going to send the National Guard over, bomb it, kill all the men, women, and children. But you might think differently about that plan if you found out that Lake Stevens was contaminated with a deadly disease that could only be eradicated by torching the whole place. Oh, and by the way, there's a vaccine for those who don't want to get torched. After Lake Stevens is torched, Inslee plans on rebuilding the entire city and it's going to be impervious to future disease. Essentially, this is God's plan. Our world is infested with a deadly disease called sin. It's so deadly that it has infested the entire creation, including plants, animals, mountains, other planets, stars. And soon God is going to wipe a clean slate. He's going to destroy the earth, and he's going to create a new earth. But as part of his plan, he is not going to repopulate it with new people. He's going to repopulate it with those who have received the spiritual vaccine that he has provided. Because Jesus is the cure for sin. And by the way, there's not an alternate. There's not a Pfizer, you know. It's just Jesus. He's the only cure. And if you come to him today, you will be saved. You will live on that new earth forever. And today would be a great time to place your faith and trust in him if you haven't already. Next, we see that he came that we might have an abundant life. Some of you might be thinking right now at this point in the sermon, great message, Pastor Scott. It makes me feel all delicious and Christmassy inside, right? <laughs> Death, destruction, wrath. Plus, you're telling me I have to wait for all this relief to come. But Jesus didn't only come to save you so that you can enjoy eternal bliss in heaven. He came to change your life right now. We see this in John 10.10. He says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, excessively full. When you became a Christian, Jesus gave you much more than you thought was possible. When I was living in sin, I thought that I was having a fun time. But deep down, I knew that my life was going nowhere. There was no meaning, no purpose. I was hurting myself, and I was breaking everyone's heart that knew me. If I had not gone to prison, I'd probably be dead today, similar to two of my siblings who have committed suicide. But today I can say that my life is excessively full. God has given me way more than I expected and absolutely more than I deserved. This isn't to say that my life doesn't have challenges and disappointments, but do you know, even in the midst of those disappointments and challenges, I have Christ there to comfort me, to guide me, to give me wisdom through those things. He helps me through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's where we are today. We are in the valley of the shadow of, the, of death, but we don't need to fear evil. Temporal setbacks are not a menace anymore to me. And instead of bringing heartbreak to those around me, I'm a blessing to those around me because of Christ. Next, we see that he came to bring division. When the angels appeared to the shepherds that night that Jesus was born, one of the things that they said was, peace on earth. 
And as we look back on 2022, peace is probably not the word that you would use to describe our relationships with one another as humans. That's because the peace that the angels were singing about was not peace among ourselves, it was peace with God. The impact of Jesus' arrival brought just the opposite to human beings. Jesus himself said it in Luke 12, 51. He said, do not think that I have come to give peace on earth. No, I tell you, but rather division. As you sit here this Christmas morning, you may be internally nodding your head. As a Christian, there may not be peace in your family. You may not have um, relatives that have faith like you have. Maybe there's animosity. And Christianity does not enjoy the prominence or the favor that it did in our country even 60 years ago. The reason for this is that people do not like to be reminded about how sinful that they are. They don't like thinking that there's a God who's going to hold them accountable. We saw this in the life of John the Baptist last week when he was killed for telling Herod that he was sinning, that he was in an adulterous relationship. And you may be even finding it hard-pressed to find anybody to respond Merry Christmas to you. And if they do, there's this weird, awkward thing that happens, right? Oh, you're a Christian, maybe. We'll say Merry Christmas to each other. But remember, even Jesus was persecuted and misunderstood. Remember, ultimately, we are trying to please God. And when pleasing God, this goal might not please your family. It might not please your friends. Finally, we see that he came as a light. Jesus declared this in John 12, 46, that I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Imagine what it would be like to be in a world without light, to be blind. No beauty to behold, danger at every turn, uncertainty about your way forward. This was the state of the world spiritually before the light of Christ came. But now the darkness is passing away, and the reason is that there are millions who carry that light now into a dark world, as symbolized in our candlelight service last night. You are one of those lights if you have the light of Christ in you. You have a mission to carry that light into the darkness. That was Mary and Joseph's mission. They had a light inside of them, a light that was coming to the world, and they spread it to those around them. In conclusion, as I studied about the journey that they had to make from Bethlehem, a journey that we kind of romanticize today, I wondered, why would God do this to Joseph and Mary? Why would he do this to his son? Make it so that right at their birth, they would have to go to Bethlehem. They would have to go through all of these things. They would be under Roman occupation. Why such hardship? And I think that it's partly to show the Christian mission, that it's not always easy. Yes, it's joyful. Yes, it's rewarding. But for many, it's a great sacrifice. And this is as it should be. And that's because the central theme of the Christian faith is sacrifice. Jesus didn't come to the earth for the kingly benefits of being the king of the universe. He came to sacrifice his life. And so my question to you this morning is, 
How far would you be willing to travel to carry the Christian, uh, Christmas message to the world? 90 hard miles on a donkey's back? 1,000 miles to a new city and a congregation? 100 feet to your neighbor's door? I want my final words as your pastor this year to be the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus' birth and the mission that he had and how clear he made it. There was no ambiguity. He declared what his purpose was and his mission, and he fulfilled all aspects of it. And so, Lord, we look forward to that time when we can see you face to face, but now in this dark world, help us to shine as your light, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you, and may God bless you the rest of your day.